Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One podcast, the show where I ramble on and discuss a wide variety of topics ranging from horror, sci-fi, multimedia, film universes, theme parks, TV, Canadiana, and so much more. Uh, how's everyone doing? It's It's been a while, eh? Um, been pretty busy lately. Uh, got a couple different jobs going on um, for the summer months. And yeah, it's just been uh, jam-packed. Um, so I finally sat down and made some time to record. So I want to give a big hello to my five faithful listeners, as well as any members of... And brace for it, here we go. Any members of L'Association Canadienne Francaise de l'Ontario, or the Association of Canadian Financial Officers, or a big hello to the Australian Catholic Film Office, or any other grouping with the initials ACFO. You are all far more than welcome to listen, and I appreciate you guys listening. Um, so today is going to be quite the episode um, for a podcast that um, hugely promotes horror. I honestly don't have all that many episodes on the actual topic as a whole quite yet, um, which honestly is a real shame uh, because not only is it one of my favorite, like legit favorite genres of film, as well as sci-fi obviously, but um, I'm very, like, very deeply um, into much of its history. Um, I'm into a lot of the popular and not so popular series within horror, like anything from 80s slashers to possession films, uh, and you name it. Like, I, I love it. I, and but I'm gonna be honest. Like, I am still a huge baby. Like. I love horror films for their lore, for their style, for their effects, um, for the story. I love this good horror film that like scares the bejesus out of me like afterwards. I'm not a big fan on jump scares, but I love <laughs> watching horror films during the day because I still am a big baby. But anyways, um, so in this episode, I thought I would go over some of my favorite, um, some of the best, and plainly just some entries I feel would be... Um, I feel would be, I guess, great to get everybody started and interested in our topic, which is foreign horror films. I know it's not like a splashy, wow, kind of a title there, but yeah, it's going to be on foreign horror films. I tried to have some sort of order in how I arranged these films, um, but if you guys have been listening for the last 15 episodes... As with everything on this show, nothing is ever concrete, and I'm all over the place. I've been trying, but it, it's all—it's always all over the place. I will say though that I—and I have said this before—I know that foreign films, and for later on, yes, this is going to be kind of like a two-parter. Um, black and white films—they usually prove difficult for the average moviegoer to get through. And I'm not saying like anybody's like dumb or stupid or has like a low attention span, but there is definitely something that um, comes with watching a foreign horror, or not even a horror film, just a foreign film or a black and white film that takes, I don't want to say training, but it, it definitely is an acquired taste, I guess, if you will. Like it, it, the payoff is there. The movies are great, but I, yeah, I guess you do. You have to almost like train your brain to get into it. And then once you do, not that they're bad, but it, it 
when you're used to like splashy, vibrant English speaking films, it's it is hard to read for everything or to be completely void of like all of the color because you're stripping a core, um, I guess, sensation away um, from what you're used to. Right. So you're 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 putting in a little bit more work and it's it's less grabbing your attention more so for black and white but i find reading especially for a lot of people i know takes them out of the film and that's honestly too bad but it is something that you get used to and then eventually it's just commonplace you don't even realize that you're reading it's just all part of the film with that though i wouldn't be recommending these films though uh if there wasn't some sort of a payoff uh, these films that i'm going to be talking about today they're not like like every list, like top 10 or top five uh, kind of films. They're not like overly artsy or anything like that. They're just films that I think are important for one reason or another, or that will grab your interest. Uh, there definitely has to be some sort of a payoff. So there's going to be an amazing story. There's going to be super scary or memorable scenes. There's going to be great makeup effects. Um, maybe just horror film significance, like, like history, or in this case, like I've been saying, it may just be the film that will like help you open the door to like a whole other side of the film world um, that you didn't know you were quite missing out on. And for that, you're very welcome. Uh, now, I'm going to be honest with all of you right now. And here comes a swear word, kiddos. So just brace yourself. Some of the shit in these films is straight up weird. It There's no way around it. Just not just like a, on a cultural kind of a level. I just mean in general. Uh, so be prepared for everything. To that, however, I will say that foreign horror adds a little extra spice to the dish um, that more often than not makes it entirely memorable, uh, more than just like your normal homegrown variety of horror film. Uh, in my case, uh, when I'm watching a horror film and I'm like thinking about it later, I almost always remember them as English made films. I don't know why, but once, like I said, once you get your training kind of, once you like start digesting more of these films, it, it is, it's, it's, it's second nature. Like you're going to watch the film. They're going to be in like whatever language you're speaking, you're reading the subtitles and all of a sudden your brain is just like, don't worry. And it just connects them. It's all one thing. And it's beautiful when that happens. And I'm hoping to God, that's not just me. I'm not saying like I'm some sort of super genius, but like, I hope everybody when they're watching these films, eventually like it just clicks and there's no extra work really on your end. Just some quick background, um, when watching any foreign film, just any foreign film in general, it's always a good idea to watch the film with subtitles, um, strictly and like purely for a, a narrative emotional tie to the film. And what I mean by that is you can hear and feel how the original actors actually express themselves. Like when they're speaking in their native link, like their native tongue, um, and you as a viewer will get more involved and you're ultimately, I feel like you're going to get more out of the film, more out of the performance um, if you watch it with their voice as opposed to having a dub, as opposed to having somebody just overlay it with generic English speaking. Admittedly, like a lot of new dubs now are very, very good. They're very top notch. But for some older films, and I'm not even like old, old, like even anything from like the 2000s, 
some of the dubs are very lackluster. Whereas like, it might be like, we have to get them out of here right now. Just pretend it's in Spanish or something. We have to get it out of here right now. We have to go. The English dub sometimes can be like, quick, we need to get them out of here. Hurry, let's go. And you just lose that whole, whoop, that whole edge. Again, making a lot of noises. And so, yeah, it's, it's good to have that. Um, it's good to have just like the original voice. It's one of the many wonderful things uh, that I was taught while taking film in university, and I've never gone back. Um, admittedly, the only time I do go back is like if I'm just doing something and I want the movie on, then I can put on the dubs, or and it's kind of a guilty pleasure if I'm watching like old school kind of like anime. Like I'll never ever watch Dragon Ball Z. Um, without dubs. I just won't. It's just, that's how I started watching it. And I have watched it with subtitles and it's just not the same. Same goes with most, most things, most like I'm <laughs> my nice lisp there, but even like something like Sailor Moon or any kind of anime that I watched as a child, it doesn't get subtitled. Just, nope, not doing it. Oh, also too, my only thing, and like, I'm sure a lot of people who a lot. I'm sure the community's only like a couple thousand, but Godzilla films, I never watch them subtitled. Like I, I, again, I have, and it is still enjoyable, but I always watch them dubbed. It's just something about it. something about that magic, but there's not going to be any Godzilla in this. So for the people that are tired of it, again, tip of the cap there, you're welcome. And for the people who want more, there's going to be more eventually, just not on this episode. And I'm sure you get more out of it. Um, speaking of background, though, one of the first films that I ever watched um, that was a foreign horror film, not the very first, but one of the prominent ones in the old memory bank, again, was in university. As I said, I am a big baby, and as much as I love horror films, I didn't always, and something about foreign horror films always kind of freaked me out, because I always thought, well... If an American horror film or Canadian horror film is going to freak me out as much as it does, the whole other element of the unknown, like a different culture, different styles of like scaring and like story writing, I was like, no, I don't really want any of it. And, it, and that's kind of also too with like peak remakes. So The Grudge definitely was like a big one. And when I found out that had origins in Japan, I was like, no, like their, their horror is messed up. I can't do it. I can't do kids. I can't do ghosts. And then I watched Ringu. That's the film. I watched Ringu in university. I'm pretty sure it was for my Japanese film course. Uh, watched it actually in the same auditorium that I watched Akira in, which I mentioned in my last episode. And even though it wasn't like, oh my gosh, like I knew what the ring was. The Ring was kind of like one of those movies, like The Sixth Sense, where everybody ruined that movie. It was like a huge pop culture hit, and I knew what the movie was, but something about the Japanese version, Ringu, I don't know, it stuck with me a little bit more. It just, not that like I'm I'm one of those people that like say, oh, like the original's always better than the remake, or like, well, obviously, if you've listened, I am I do enjoy a good remake, but to say that an American film is better than the foreign film because it's an American film and it's easier to watch. That doesn't always hold true. And certain narratives get changed or twisted or I guess even like Americanized 
you know, to make it easier to swallow for a lot of people. Um, nothing wrong with that, and I get why it's done, but certain things get are missing. And I definitely found seeing both. Um, I saw Ring actually far later, but I saw Ringu first, which rarely happens for me, but every once in a while it does. Ringu, which is not on my list, by the way, I feel I remember that far more than I do with The Ring. And The Ring, admittedly, was a scarier film in a lot of aspects, but I feel it was just the, the actual atmosphere of the film, the pacing of the film, and how everything was conveyed that made it a much more memorable horror film. And to me, that's that's a big thing for horror. Like a horror film needs to sit with you, it needs to make you think, and it needs to kind of haunt you after, much like a ghost, right? That's why jump scares for me, they don't really do too much. Like if the jump scare is the only jump scare in the film and it scares the bejesus out of you and you remember that, that's a whole other thing. But when a film relies entirely, like entirely on jump scares, that's when it's like, all right, it's kind of a cheap thrill. You're scared for the night, but that's about it. I love when a film haunts you for days, weeks, months, heck, even years. That's when it's like cream of the crop, king tier, god tier horror. And while I wouldn't say Ringu was a horror film that I would put on god tier, it opened my eyes to realize, oh man, like, like foreign horror is like not only like can go toe to toe in the ring with American horror, like it brings a whole other thing. And that just completely opened the doors for me. And after that, I, uh, I would say a lot of the horror that I watch is still foreign. I know like pushing my glasses up like snob, but like, no, like not that I like seek them out, but if I see like, Oh, this is like hailed as one of the best horror films this year and it's foreign, I don't even hesitate, just poop, put it on and I watch it. And it's like, yep, no, that was good. And it could be better than anything I had seen in the local theater for years. Um, so with that story, <laughs> whether it conveyed or not, um, to have an open mind, that's definitely what I'm going to suggest watching this. And I'm going to really try to keep this one fast and loose, kind of off the top of my head. There's not a ton of research for this. It is almost purely from memory and I'm going to try very very hard to not make it a like quote-unquote um, list pot, uh, episode. I don't want to just list off stuff, run through the director, run through the cast. Um, I'm going to try and give you a little bit of background on it and stuff that I um, not necessarily like love. It is stuff I love but reasons almost that why you should give it a try or maybe if it's right for you, kind of a vibe. So with that though, it should be noted that the foreign films I am going to discuss on this episode are strictly films um, that are using a language other than English. Um, so that means even if it's a great film from Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, any of the other commonwealths or former commonwealths, uh, it's not going to be on here. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of great foreign horror films from Canada. Like I'm sure I'll do an episode on that eventually. UK is another big one. Australia's got some crazy ones. Looking at you, Wolf Creek. There's lots. There's lots. But this is strictly for every other language other than English. To that same effect, also films that were mainly known for their dubbed versions. Uh, such as like something like um, the 70s Suspiria or Black Sunday. 
aka any kind of early or Italian uh, giallo horror films, not going to be on here. I know like a lot of Italian horror films are dubbed in tons of languages and they were primarily filmed in Italian, but if the English version is the one that's the most popular, it's not going to be on here. And so without any further ado, let's jump into this bad Larry. A monstrous nightmare of terror turned loose in a fight to the death. The robot versus the Aztec mummy. They will bring you a night of terror. We dare you to see them, but don't come alone. I'm going to start the episode off with Good Night Mommy. Uh, so Goodnight Mommy is a fairly modern and recent Austrian-made film, and it came out in 2014, so it is pretty still kind of recent. I would argue it's very accessible for a foreign, uh, for a new foreign filmgoer, uh, so that's why I'm going to start with this one. And realistically, this one will stick with you. You know how I was like, uh, King Tier, God Tier, I would say this one is probably like a King Tier episode, uh, episode. <laughs> It's like a king to your film for me. Um, Like, I still remember the twist. Oh, man, I just spoiled everything right there. You know what? Not going to edit it out. Just going to keep going. I still remember, like, the characters. I still remember some of the horrific um, things. Uh, And I watched this film, let's say, four years ago. So it's close to God tier, but it's not quite because I'm not, like, shook by every detail of the film. Um, but I remember it being very accessible. Um, so if you commit to it, it will stick with you. Um, the premise is kind of neat. So the premise is there are two boys. They're two twin boys. If I had to guess, maybe like 11 kind of age. Um, and they are like dead set convinced that their mother who recently had like facial surgery, she's like covered up in bandages and stitches and she needs tons of rest they're convinced that she's like an imposter like a like a doppelganger like not their mom whatsoever and so they begin to not only psychologically torture her but but physically as well like both psychologically and physically like they're torturing this mom and it amps up like it goes from like little things to like little tests um to little tricks to legit like physical violence and like psychologically like crippling her and the it's the film from what i remember it's it's just them so it's the two boys the mother they're in a house and it's like in the countryside somewhere um and without getting too into it even if there wasn't um i guess kind of like even if there wasn't any kind of like mother conspiracy these kids are like legitimately twisted like, I'm not talking, like, over-the-top, like, demon kids or something from, like, The Omen, like, where they, like, stare at the camera and it's like, and their eyes are glowing. Like, I mean, like, psychologically, they should be put away. Like, the type of kids um, that your parents would lose their minds on you for if they even remotely found out that you were speaking to them at school. You know, like, those kind of kids that, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> they they are like stabbing squirrels or like ripping apart bugs like something is like 
like soundly wrong with them. Um, yeah, they're just, uh, and you, you can kind of tell they're super rambunctious kids. But anyways, without like being a, a psychologist for these kids, um, a couple things here, a fair warning. Once this film does get going, it is not like I am waving my arms, not for the faint of heart. And it's not, it's not torture porn. Like we're not talking like hostile or saw for any sort of reference there. But there are definitely some scenes that my brain purposely blocked out after viewing it uh, for that first time. Because like when I watched the trailer again, just to like, oh, you know, like to refresh myself, I was like, oh, mm -mm. yeah, like my brain was just like, like, like all of this, the safe faults were like shutting once I watched those scenes. Um, so go into this film knowing that it is that type of horror film nothing excessive like no one's like getting their like legs lobbed off and they're hanging by meat hooks or anything like but the stuff that does happen and there are a, at least two scenes where i'm like like they're bad like if you are like a little squeamish or um the thing is is like this film is like real you know what i mean like it's very like a slice of life um for a little bit like you just you're walking into their home and well like there is stuff that is like very surreal and like kind of like dreamlike sequences within it um and there is there is some artsy shots but it the film is not that i think that's what makes it more grounded and that's what it's like oh when you see stuff like that like your your fingers and toes like all curl up and you're like mm, nope 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 that's it's something like that it's not uh it's not like serial killer like coming to like murder you and you know something grotesque is happening. It's just like, I don't know. This would be like brushing your teeth with your significant other and then all of a sudden like out of nowhere, like your significant other like stabs you in the leg with a fork. Like you'd be like, oh my God. It is not like brutal, but you're just like, oh, like that kind of a thing. There is, there is a lot of that. It, um, a couple things though that I love about this film <laughs> I gotta, I gotta like reel it in there. Also, I'll just like talk about like good night, mom, mommy, or good night, whatever. Uh, good night, mother. It is good night, mommy. I'm gonna definitely see if I'll edit that out. Um, I would talk about this for another twenty minutes, so I'm just gonna reel it in here because I do have a few more films. So, a couple things I loved. For all the film snobs out there, this film is absolutely beautifully shot. The imagery itself is as much of a character as anything else in this film. Um, it gives off the sense of beauty and wonder, while also like providing a feeling of like isolation, madness. It, it it's something isn't right with how it's shot. Mixed like the sounds, like the sound editing in this is like oof, it's very good. Everything about this film, like how it's crafted, is is. Austrians for you right it's 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 like a well-made clock it's everything all the parts work and um yeah it just something doesn't feel right but the tension is still like coming up and it just everything feels kind of uneasy while also like normal and that's basically the whole film that's without giving anything away it um yeah it just Everything about it is just, you're watching moving art for a lot of it anyways. Um, and for those that don't know, 
I am a huge fan of M. Night Shyamalan. Wow, I had a tough time with that. Wow. Figure out how to talk. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of M. Night Shyamalan, which shouldn't come as a shocker. I like a lot of terrible things, but I mean, I I love more so his earlier stuff anyways. Uh, some of his current stuff, I liked The Visit. I liked um, Split. I didn't get to see Glass, but I would say everything from like Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. I love Signs. The Village is a favorite of mine. Everything kind of up to the, sh um, not the shape of water, the lady in the water. That film, some things I liked, a lot of stuff I didn't, and then everything from that to The Visit, or even The Visit, I was like, oh, it's good, but it's not like my favorite. Probably everything from that to Split, you can cut that out. Not a fan of that. Um, but this film very much feels like one of his earlier films, like um, Shyamalan's films. So without giving anything away, I know I said there was a twist. Once you're done watching this film, Watching it for the second time is just as satisfying, if not more, uh, once you know what you're looking for. And I did it, um, not right away. I wish I did, but I didn't. But I watched it that first time. And when I saw the twist, I was like, oh my God, your brain picks together some of the things and it's like, oh my God, that, that makes sense. Or I wouldn't have even have thought of that. But then I watched it again about a year later and I was like, yep. Like remembering what the twist was, it was like, ooh. And it's not like, uh, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like aliens are living in the wall. Like it is, it's a fairly grounded kind of twist, but it, it makes a huge difference. And watching the film the whole time, you might be able to pick up, pick up what it is, but I couldn't. I'm not saying like, again, that I'm a super genius, but I was just wanting to see what the kids were doing. Cause like, like I was saying, they're messed up. Um, also, this one is great because there are only three main characters, like I said. So the amount of dialogue in this is is far lower um, than your average film um, by a good amount, uh, which I would feel is a plus um, for those just making their baby steps into foreign film, into the foreign film foray. Um, I myself uh, watched this originally with someone who didn't care at all for foreign films, and they really enjoyed this one. So I thought that would be the easy choice to recommend this. So it's got a good story. It's beautifully shot. Not too many characters. Easy to follow. I'm not saying like you have to be dumb to enjoy this movie or anything like that. So please don't take any kind of offense. I just mean if you have a like you have a very much a distaste for reading um, subtitles while you're watching a film and you just want to kind of dip your toes into the pool of like foreign films, this is definitely I think a good step. It's psychological, it's got some like, it's got violence, it's got a great story, not that much dialogue, and it's beautifully shot. I think it's gonna be memorable. I don't know how easy it is to access this. Again, I could have probably done some research, but I might have found this illegally through illegal means, but I'm sure you could probably find this on Amazon or iTunes or even, depending on which country you're listening from, maybe on Netflix. Um, but yeah, definitely go check that one out. And now, if you'll uh, just travel with me here as we uh, depart, we are heading to Sweden uh, to watch Let the Right One In. Now, admittedly for this film, um, I've actually seen the remake, Let Me In, um, quite a few more times than I've seen the original. And while it is a top-notch remake, the original is by far the superior film. 
this uh, 2008 Swedish film draws a little bit more um, on the romantic side of things, I guess. Uh, while it's still like very much a horror film, like don't get me wrong here, it's not like a romance film. This is like horror. Um, the premise, without spoiling too much of uh, the good stuff, I guess, is focused on just simply a boy and a girl. It's kind of like a coming of age story. Uh, the boy is bullied to the nines, like constantly bullied, and the girl, you know, as these stories often go, is a century-old vampire. Uh, she was turned into a vampire as a young girl, and now she seeks friendship and companionship, but because she is that vampire that I just mentioned, she needs to constantly feed, and she needs a familiar, uh, which is, for those who don't know, is usually like a human, um, not a well kind of a slave but it's a human um i guess um errand doer if you will someone who gets their their prey in order who does their day-to-day -day means while they're resting and feeding um usually on the the promise of also being a vampire or simply just through like um, manipulation um so yeah she relies on that familiar to get those things ready for her um the film is also jammed with many beautifully constructed and orchestrated moments, scenes. The sound is like, uh, it doesn't rely too much on score, which I often enjoy. I do, I do enjoy a good film score, but I find that um, when a film just relies on nature sounds, like they heighten the natural sounds, when something happens, it's it hits you like in the face a lot harder, and I, I do enjoy that. Like, um, if for example in this film, if somebody's just walking under a bridge on like a brisk snowy night or evening, I guess, and then all of a sudden you just like the person just jumps out, and every sound is like is right there, like you're seeing it with your own eyes, like just feet away from you. It stands out so much more to me, and it's it grips you a lot more. And this film does that quite a lot, which I find very much enjoyable. While it does have a lot of music in the film to a certain kind of extent, it's not like a it's not like a a, a typical like American drama or something like that, where it just relies heavily on some sort of a score or soundtrack. It, it's a lot of like natural sounds, which I do enjoy. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful is what I'm trying to get across. Um, everything is dark for the most part. Um, not like dark as in like cryptic noir, but just like a lot of scenes because she's a vampire scene are well, presented to you during like the evenings or the nights or like within a building or something. Not a lot of natural light, um, a lot of artificial light. And uh, it definitely gives like a different kind of a mood to the film. Again, though, know what you're walking into. This is first and foremost a vampire film then also the romantic and the coming of age story as well but it is a vampire horror movie um many of the scenes in the film will stand out to you um this film far more than goodnight mommy which i was just talking about um i guess the best way to put it is a better made film without sounding too much like a jerk it is a better made film and it is one that I feel will stand the test of time, whereas Goodnight Mommy is more like in a, a film. When you see it, you'll definitely remember it. But this film, I feel, will be on lists for a long time. Um, there's definitely one, perhaps two, like maybe two, maybe three, but one for sure, um, though, of these scenes that I bet, 
like I'd bet the whole farm, if you know what I mean. I bet the farm, the cow, the truck that you'll remember for a long, long time after viewing it. The remake does the same scene. Obviously, you couldn't do the film without the scene. Well, the remake scene is more polished, I guess. The this scene is a lot. Mm, without using like vague general terms, it's better. It's it's straight up. That's the best way to say it. it it's better, um, and you you'll probably remember it more. Plus, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is in the remake, and I, God, I can't. I could care less about her. Um, but that doesn't mean that you judge a film based on an actor. And I'm not even going to touch that with like a ten foot pole. Um, we're talking about let the right one in. Um, more than anything, uh, this is like a very heartfelt coming of age romance. Like I have said, it's this young boy who is like like bullied and like no friends. I'm pretty sure it just has like a single mom. Like he he's just as lost. And then there's this girl um, who for a vampire you can tell like she know like it's almost like she's coy because um, like she's definitely like a century old vampire like she's been around for a while um and this is also like based off of a book which i've never read the source material but apparently this varies um a, a certain amount from the book and then the american version um which doesn't focus on the book varies even further from this film to a certain extent so you really all three are kind of like a different take on the exact same story um but you can tell in this film that she's kind of like she has that childlike innocence and she wants to be friends with a child it's almost like she hasn't changed in that way but you can tell like she's smart she's been around the block she knows a couple things um and it almost like it doesn't feel like she's taking advantage of him but you're almost like no don't do this or like oh i wouldn't trust this or i don't know what's going to happen like kind of to that extent of tension their kind of romance is for a film that's set in the winter in at night in sweden um about vampires it's heartwarming it's not cold their romance um you definitely like you you're rooting for them in a in a, in a sense but um this is a horror film uh so i'm not going to talk about how like warm and stuff like it is like there are kills there's lots of kills um she is a vampire it it moves constantly this isn't a slow burn film this isn't um uh, a twist film like you know what you're getting into almost straight out of the gate and it just keeps going it's not like a thrill ride or something like that but um it uh i i would be hard pressed to not say like this yeah this is like i don't know it this oh also to i'll jump back to that in a second this is a, a first and foremost a, a film like this is a film um narrative heavy dialogue heavy not like like a, a spy thriller or something like that or a drama where you have to like focus on like every single word but it is a film uh, so it is definitely heavier in dialogue than goodnight mommy um, but i think once you're watching the film especially you won't mind uh and once you're in it you'll probably fully dive right into it because the story is very gripping the characters are gripping the whole like I guess kind of like the atmosphere the setting is all kind of gripping the way it's shot is gripping uh and so you'll probably just you'll have no problem just walking into this film and watching it it's a lot of reading but it's also not at the same time um it's a steady paced film like i said consistent horror output lots of um kills and deaths um but also too like it's not like twisted it's not dark it's, it's just a kind of a nice love story um i 
what I was getting at before is I would recommend this as one of the best, like one of the best, not just for foreign, not just for um, like no specific categories. I would recommend this like one of the best in like 21st century horror in general. Um, ghost movies, vampire movies, slashers, best, like the best of horror in general for the 21st century. Like if my list was like top 20, top even top 10, I would probably put this one in here. Top 10, it, it's not like it's going to be number one, but there's a lot of horror movies that come out, especially recently. There's been like a huge horror boom, which I'm just loving. I would still put this in top 10 for best of 21st century horror films. You, if Even if you don't watch any of the films I'm going to talk about in this episode, I would recommend that you put at least put Let the Right One In in your list, like your list to get to eventually. It won't disappoint you. And it's not too long. Like, I think Goodnight Mommy is like an hour and a half. I, I, like I said, this is off the top of the, like the off the cuff here, but I would have to guess that this is pretty close. It's not like a two and a half hour movie or anything like that. It's, it's standard horror procedure. It fits the bill of like an hour and a half, I would guess. And you are not going to regret a single minute of it. Um, if I had to say one thing, um, I'm pretty sure they meet because they're neighbors or something like that. If I remember correctly, it's like uh, the boy who has varying different names, depending on which version you watch. I, again, please watch the Swedish version. And then after maybe watch the American, again, it's not a bad remake. It's a very good, very well-made remake, but just watch the original, trust me. Um, I'm pretty sure she moves in with her, her dad, I'm using air quotes here, um, into the same building. And that's kind of where they meet. Um, and the rest kind of snowballs from there and there are lots of, there are a couple of little twists and stuff but nothing like crazy it's it's just normal movie mechanics um and plot devices yeah, it's so hard to talk about these without spoiling them because like i'm like oh i want to like talk about this and this and while like many of these people are probably like listening to this and thinking like oh he's talking about foreign horror like i love foreign horror and he's gonna like we're gonna talk about it together and i, I i'm like yeah like i want to talk about that but then I'm like, oh, but if you haven't seen this, then like it's going to be kind of like spoilery and then like there's no reason to even watch it. And so I'm just kind of I'm walking with one foot on each side of the line here. So I'm going to try and talk about it as much as I can. Stuff I love. Um, I think what I'll do later is I'll do a little bit of a lightning round for movies that I haven't seen or movies that are like really bizarre. And I'll talk about those maybe more in detail um, just quickly. Um, but for these, I think I'm just going to kind of dip my toe onto each side of the line without being too spoilery, but still talking about them. And to that effect, that's it for that one. <laughs> I don't think I can talk about that one anymore without ruining it. Um, just that it's, uh, it's lightning in a bottle. Um, it, you, you haven't, you're not really going to see anything kind of like it. Like there were comparisons at the time. Like it's, it's like, it's better film than like Twilight or something. But I think to compare that film to Twilight is a huge slap in the face of that film. Cause Twilight is like purely like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's like giving a toy to like a teenage girl. I mean, like there's no horror in those films there's nothing this is like a romance film but it is first and foremost a vampire film and where those is a completely romance film targeted for younger a younger um, straight girl audience maybe i actually don't really know who it's targeted to um but vampires are just kind of like a small subplot of that i feel like it's not really the biggest part of the movie 
I'm getting way off topic. The next film we are talking about is The Host. And this is not <laughs> the American girl drama film, speaking of dramas. This is the Korean film. I think it's Gwolmu, Gwolmul, like G-W-O-E-M-U-L. That's like the Korean title. Um, this is a uh, 2006 Korean horror film. Uh, this one, uh, The Host, is like, while I wouldn't recommend this film as like scary, it is not like a scary horror film, it's more like a monster movie horror film, uh, film. and um, I think you know if you guys have like been watching horror films, there's like a big difference. There's like scary horror films, there's like your generic slasher horror films, you got like your possession horror films, you have your um, like home invasion and stuff like that, and then you have like your monster movies, and while monster movie films can be scary it's more like the mood right it's more of a tension uh piece more of like um you're like scared that the monster will get you but you're not like there's no like any real world type fears there it's usually an allegory more than anything if you're getting kind of like uh into the mechanics of the film like a film theory um but this one is very much like a personal favorite of mine it's incredibly layered and it, much like Let the Right One In, feels like a little slice of life. Like it feels, it is not like a generic horror film. Uh, like Godzilla is not bursting into the scene and, uh, or it's not like a Frankenstein monster is brought to life. Like it's not like that kind of mood. It's literally the first 30 minutes, 20 minutes is just everyday life. Not 30 minutes, I feel like that's too long. The first 15, 20 minutes is just like normal. Everything's normal. Um, so it, it feels, like I said, like a slice of life that horror has entered into and but it entered into it like naturally more so than it just being a straightforward horror film um but let me backstep a little bit here um because i feel like now all of a sudden i'm all over the place just started this thing and i'm like what is going on here so um to explain <laughs> i have to explain this over the top premise for what i just said is like a very slice of life film so like i said this 2006 film um depicts the events of a giant um, kaiju sized fish monster not quite um think more like king kong as opposed to godzilla like this thing isn't like skyscraper big but it's it's huge right maybe the size of a bridge um so this thing emerges from the han river in korea which fun fact i was there kind of recently uh last may uh with past episode guest uh, mr scott fawcett yeah he was there for a year and i actually went to visit him uh, for a week and it was a really good time so past the han river a couple times all right story over anyways this monster is created um from actually american um, scientists interference um i think they're military because america still has a very strong presence in south korea uh, and they dump a bunch of like formaldehyde i think or chemicals um into the drain and the one doctor is like no 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 like i'm i'm not disposing like this and then the, the head doctor is like you you're gonna do what you're told okay buddy like dump every one of these like 400 bottles down the sink and he's like all right and he's like even though the sink washes out to the river and he's like it's not gonna make a big deal but it does right and that's like a huge um, statement that we'll see throughout the film um so he dumps all these bottles of chemical into the river and uh the story actually follows, uh, it concerns really a man. He's kind of like a slow, kind of like a lazy, not like a lazy bum, but he's like, he has no ambition kind of thing. Uh, and he basically bands together his family of misfits. Like one sister is like a, a, 
a huge, I think she was like Olympic level, like archer and she like choked last minute and she's just been like dealing with depression because of that. And there's like another guy who was like this business tycoon or like he was, he was something, he was like a business tycoon or he was like this like political um, activist or something. And then he is also dealing with his stuff. So he bands together all these, like his misfit family to actually rescue his daughter. Like, you know how I said like right there at the beginning, it's like a slice of life. All of a sudden this creature emerges. It's like wiping out people left, right, and center, like knocking over statues, destroying buildings, like eating people. And then the, the dad is like, no, 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 like trying to save his daughter. And he's like running and running. And it's like, this is a kind of the only spoiler I'm going to give here. And then he's like, he's, he thinks he sees his daughter and he's like, no, no, no. And the monster comes and it like, it, it like runs through a bunch of people and he grabs this girl and he's like, okay, you're safe. And he turns the girl over and it's not his daughter. Like the fish creature kidnapped the daughter. So now they're like hunting down this fish mom. Like that scene, like I, like I said, this is going to be like kind of like the only like pseudo spoiler I'm talking about is legitimately soul crushing. Like that whole scene just comes out of nowhere and you're just thrown into the thick of it and you're like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, like, cause it, again, it is kind of like a slice of life. Like what would you do in that scenario? Like you're not expecting a giant fish monster who can in the right mind could say they're ever expecting a giant fish monster to come and just take you. Right. So he's running, he's running, he grabs this girl and he thinks, Oh, thank God. Like the thing's gone. Like at least I have you. And he <laughs> turns her over and it's not the right girl. Like, that's great that she's saved but like his daughter's legit like could be eaten could be dead could be squashed gone so they're tracking down this fish monster and they track it down to like the depths of the sewer they go through like Amer both american and korean like military lines they are like being examined and like um i don't know if they're like tortured but i feel like they if i remember correctly they're like tested on like because like there's like chemical interference i guess this like creature is like, like giving off like disease or something like that because he's like he's like messing with genes and basically all of the siblings of this guy and like the grandfather they're all like getting their shit together to like basically rescue this girl and um and it's just it's a it's it's not a it is it's more or less from all of the films i'm talking about is the thrill ride from the start to the finish um not like blockbuster kind of a thrill ride but you are just like on the edge of your seat like oh my god what's gonna happen and uh, i feel like that's like partially because the film is directed by bong joon ho which if anyone is familiar which i'm sure i just butchered his name but um i know exactly who he is if if anyone is familiar with that name you'll know that he is he handles family dynamics and character pieces very very well all while keeping like the tension very much alive like he is good with like handling like like most people are always like yeah like a group dynamic you want like joss whedon and it's like oh god like get me away from that guy but this guy he can do it very very well he he can like make you feel so much for so many amount of characters all at the same time while like not missing a beat um for example like some of his other films include Snowpiercer, which i know is like a hit and miss with some people but like you can't deny that like all of the actors get their good get good screen time you you know all the roles they fill and they're layered they're not one-dimensional they're not two-dimensional like they're they feel like real within the worlds they're 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 in right uh he also did okja uh, which if you haven't seen okja it's i think it's a, just a netflix exclusive that is also very much worth your time it's not a horror film but it's a good good film like wow i still think about that one even but every character in the host is 
you you feel like they all had their own arc you know like you might only see the characters for like 30 minutes like and within the, that 30 minutes you like you know where they're coming from you know what happened to them you see them rise you see them like meet their potential again and you feel like satisfaction even though it might not work out for all of them you're like yes this is great and each character does their best to like try and kill this thing or like buy time and it's uh like i said it's not like scary scary but the tension is definitely there um continuing on though um the host aside from it's like blatant anti-america themes because like it is very much like america get out like your your army your military your your political ideals they're all like hurting this country more than anything that's like very much the story um the horror like the story itself for the host is very much a horror movie like second but like in a good way every character and theme is like fleshed out every decision made is not met with like viewer frustration like that's one thing most monster movies it's like maybe we should go over here or like let's fire at this thing or well the army will like fire torpedoes or like that we'll let the army figure it out or like there's always like something stupid that's like also like a horror movie trope it's just like you're pulling at your hair like why 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 would you do that right this movie does not have that i find like there's no viewer frustration even when like the characters might do something stupid it fits their character so you believe it while you might be like no 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 it's because you know already that that character was going to do it not like because it doesn't make sense i know that's kind of hard to explain but hopefully you get what i'm saying um and by the end of the film you'll feel like every single emotion you'll feel like fear you'll feel tension you'll feel like you'll laugh you might even cry who knows um and then at the end it's actually a pretty good ending uh it's not like a dreadful ending um it's not like the ending you're hoping for but it's not the worst ending um so yeah sadness is definitely being is one of those emotions but suspense and like almost like a sense of like being chilled like you're watching something like oh my gosh that's that's probably a close second for what you're going to feel but yeah i would definitely recommend the host it is not the easiest film to find um admittedly i can't even remember how i saw it it might have been actually it might have been on crackle which if you're in canada good luck um it's not on there anymore you might be able to find it on amazon prime you could probably buy it like with everything on like itunes um check netflix maybe i don't know if you're gonna find it on there and even to to torrent it i know like ooh, it's such a bad world word we don't talk about torrenting but that's hard it's hard to find if you type in like the host you're gonna find like that american like teen drama and uh yeah i don't know but if you can find the host i would definitely recommend it um same kind of ballpark as uh, let the right one in it's just a normal movie so you're gonna get the normal amount of dialogue um, nothing overwhelming, but again, th the way I'm putting these movies in is almost like baby steps for like getting your, f your feet into the foreign, uh, horror movie market, I guess. And there's no one better, I think, to get your, your, your dip your little toesies into uh, foreign horror than this next, uh, director, uh, his film. <laughs> I couldn't have done a worse segue there, but the next film is the devil's backbone. Now this one, this one I would love to talk about more. I think, um, like for another episode, as it's one of my favorite directors, and that's the person I was alluding to before. Um, if he's, not, I think actually, I would probably, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he's probably my absolute favorite director now, and that's Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I could have also included another one of his films, Chronos, um, which has uh, some English in it, 
but I found the pacing a little bit slower. Um, I would definitely recommend that as a companion piece. That was the word I was searching for last episode, not partner piece. Um, companion piece to this film. He does have like three movies. They're like the Guillermo del Toro uh, Trilogio, um, his, his trilogy of just his three Spanish horror films. Um, the first one though, Kronos, that was his very first directorial like debut for a feature film. That's like from the 90s. That's 93, I think. So it's as old as me. And uh, that's set in Mexico. But his other two films, the third, as I'm sure you guys are all pretty familiar with, the second one is The Devil's Backbone, which I'm about to talk about. And the third is Pan's Labyrinth. So The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth are kind of like spiritual successors to each other. And they both take place within the Spanish Civil War. Whereas um, Kronos, the first film from the 90s, is a... Um, it's kind of like a modern day in that time piece, um, but it's set in Mexico. They don't really have too, too much to do with each other, but if you do like The Devil's Backbone, definitely recommend Kronos. And while it's not technically a horror film, I would always recommend Pan's Labyrinth. That is also, um, that's probably just in my top 10 films ever uh, kind of category. It's, it's, it's whimsical, it's beautiful. It's just, it's one of the best, it is, top three best fantasy films ever made and it's one of the best films i think ever made to be honest but that don't let that take away from the devil's backbone because the devil's backbone is still very very good again one of those films that i i'd only seen once and i remembered for a long long time it rides the line between god tier and king tier but i think i would definitely put it in king tier um, while everything is memorable it's not like the scariest movie you're ever gonna see kind of like scary um, real quick though uh, before i go into that i'm just gonna take a break for a second to tell you about this episode's well sponsor sponsors all right so this episode is brought to us by the good folks at outro apparel you know them you love them uh, this top-of-the-line startup clothing company not only sells high-end clothing and accessories, but with every single purchase you make, 10% of it goes directly to Mental Health Research Canada to provide support of mental health and awareness. So, if you want to look off the heezy, fresh to death, and help a worthy cause, go check out Outro Apparel as well. Make sure you guys go check out Nancy Savio Poetry. Um, you can go check out her website. Please go give her a follow on Instagram at Nancy Savio Poetry. Luckily for you, she has graced us with another one of her well-crafted and themed poems for this episode. So stick around for that. I'm sure you guys will love it. Um, and that's about it. Uh, I'll make sure I provide links for both of these wonderful establishments in the show notes. And now back to The Devil's Backbone. So I am uh, running a bit long here. I don't know. I, as always, like I'm always having such problems with audacity. I really don't know what the issue is. Like every single time I go to record, it crashes or today the format was all different. So I had to rearrange all of the columns and all of the, um, the buttons and yada, yada. And then I recorded half of this and it was working fine. Then I recorded another half of this and it was like someone like rolled me in like five rugs and put me under the ground. Like it didn't capture any of the sound, which was super fun. So it went from 32 minutes to all of a sudden now I'm at, I'm past an hour. So that's great because I still have a lot to talk about. So I might cut some of this info out. I might cut some of the stuff out. We'll see what happens, but I'll try and get as much in as I can. 
So the Devil's Backbone. So the Devil's Backbone is actually um, a 2001 gothic horror film uh, by, like I said, Guillermo del Toro, and it is very much a spooky ghost film. The premise is is it's not straightforward. The film is the furthest thing from straightforward, and yet it all kind of makes sense. Um, but basically, the main kind of premise is. It's during the Spanish Civil War, which for you, uh, for all of those who don't know, it's a war between like fascist ideals and democratic ideals. Um, I guess no, I guess it was more like a royal thing versus a fascist thing between Spain, and it took place um, almost verbatim the same time as World War II. It started a little bit before, from what I understand, and it finished a little bit after. Anyways, though, tons of death and kids are being sent to um orphanages and homes kind of similar to what was happening in uh well all over the place especially in europe so this boy uh carlos is brought to this home for for orphans and uh because i guess his i I think it might have been both of his parents but uh they died fighting the fascist regime um so he's taken in and uh he has a tough time fitting with the other kids and he starts seeing a ghost, a ghost of a boy uh, with like blood, like running out of his like head, like but like floating up. And uh, he sees this this ghost, and this ghost is like getting closer to him, and like he's like coming up more in his life, and like he'll be like eating like breakfast, and all of a sudden he'll see the ghost like standing in the hallway, and every time the ghost is like getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and so he tries to communicate with the ghost, and basically he figures out that the the ghost was a boy who was also at the home who has been murdered and the story basically is of carlos trying to now figure out where the boy is like where his body is who killed him and why and really the even though the the boy is like scary like af like he is scary um there's other villains in this film that are very real very human um and they're also trying to get this boy um, because uh, they're the ones that killed the boy. Um, so there's tons of scary scenes and it is very much a ghost film, um, but it's very, very well made. And um, there's lots of cool symbolism within the film. Uh, the, one of the main cool things, it definitely like ties in a little bit to the film, like on a theme narrative, like a theme kind of a structure. Um, but one of the the bombers drops a huge bomb and it lands, boom, like lands right in the middle of their courtyard of this like school area and it doesn't go off. So take from that what you will, but it's, it's symbolically, it's like very, very cool. It does play a part into the plot, um, but I don't want to talk about that too, too much. Um, and there's, just a wide or like array of characters you have the the two people that run the home uh and her like i think it's her wooden leg and then there's like secrets of like the home being like stashed with gold and like tons of riches and it used to be like this this great place before it was a home and yeah there's just it's so detailed so layered gamble del toro every time he touches something it's 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 just masterfully crafted and no no like sparing of any details like spares no expense like getting everything like finite and very um just i don't i can't even really describe it it's just it's not deranged but it, it's definitely mac- like macabre but it's i don't know but this is one of those films 100 percent, like 120 percent, that when you're watching it 
yes, it, it's Spanish, but you don't even you get like so into it that you real you don't realize after a while that you're reading anymore because like the film is a hundred percent gonna pull you in and you're gonna want to know what happened and just on a on like a a re, another reason to watch it is all of the special effects Guillermo del Toro is just a master class of using like a mixture of like practical effects and like f- um, film trickery and then like using CGI sparingly to enhance. And it all feels very palpable. It all feels very um, real and like tangible. And honestly, it adds so so much more to it. Like the ghost, uh, which is named who is named Santi, he his design alone will probably stay with you for after the film, far after the film. Like if you even forget the plot, you won't forget him. Just like his design, like how he was thought up, and it's the way like Guillermo del Toro thinks of like ghosts and I, I'm going way too hard, hard into this. I got to definitely do a Guillermo del Toro episode, but like it's like hit the way he does ghosts. is like, they are just like a, um, just a shard of like time, like forever, like kind of looping. And you can see that in the design with the way, like the characters, um, kind of aura, um, moves very, very interesting. I a hundred percent, this is not like, of all Guillermo del Toro films, it's not my favorite one, um, but it is really, really, really good. And in terms of like a foreign horror film, I don't think you're going to find too, too much better. There's a couple others that I said that Guillermo del Toro did, and there's maybe like three or four other Spanish films um, that are in the same ballpark as this film. But I would recommend this, even if you aren't new to foreign horror films, if you haven't seen this one, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, definitely go check out uh, The Devil's Backbone. Like I said, I'm going to have to do a Guillermo del Toro episode because I am just totally holding back on all the stuff I want to say. But yeah, it's Spanish. It is a bit longer. From what I remember, it's like around a two-hour mark, but it goes quick. It really does. It's one of those movies where once you're watching it, you the time just kind of flies by, uh, at least for me anyways. I was just fully into it. But yeah, uh, moving on here. I don't want to talk too, too long because like I said, like we are at like a very long time for this episode. I was only planning to do an hour, but I guess my intro was kind of long. I'm not going to waste too much time with this next one. Uh, it is uh, Audition. It is the 1999 film um, from director Takashi Miike, uh, which if any of you guys know him... He also did films like Ichi the Killer, which is like another like very cult um, horror film. It's like super, super popular Um, and uh, kind of a newer one. I did see this one. I didn't see all of it, unfortunately, but from what I saw, it was really good. He also did Blade of the Immortal. Uh, So if you've seen any of those films, you know that gore and kind of like torture is something he specializes in. Um, so yeah, this film, Audition, uh, is a Japanese horror film. It's Japanese, yeah, first one on the list that isn't a, a European language. And um, it, I don't know, like, it the the film has appeared on like several lists of best horror films ever made. And it's, a, it's definitely influenced other people like Eli Roth and like the Soska sisters who did like stuff like American Mary and Eli Roth is the one who did a Hostel amongst other things. But admittedly, this is not one of my favorites. I, I, I have seen it. I've seen it twice. Um, and I honestly, I can't deny how twisted it is, how deranged it is, and really that it is a great film. Um, just not, not really my cup of tea. Uh, and while, it, yeah, uh, while usually a slow burn film is usually code for like boring, 
uh, usually, like it is, right? If someone ever says like, oh, it's a, it's a slow burn, that means like it was boring and boring, but the payoff at the end was like pretty good. Um, that's, I mean, that's what it means usually, like an average audience member will say that. But this film is actually a great definition of an excellent slow burn with the tension and the story hyping up at a steady pace honestly it does it 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 moves slowly but it moves it does it does heighten uh, up until really the big reveal you get glimpses of of this quote unquote reveal throughout the film which is a, basically a bag that moves once in a while and you're like what like what is in what is in there right um and which like i said i don't really care for the film but that ending is is something it's that is that ending it has stayed with me and it's it's one of the main reasons i've included it on the list like it's on a lot of top lists it's not my favorite but you know what one of you guys might watch it and you might be like damn that was that was good um a little fyi though this film is definitely on the line between gory and torture porn like it's definitely up there some of the stuff like i said is, is very very deranged and there is blood and like I said, it's a slow burn. The torture is also very slow, and you're gonna be like, "Stop, stop! Like st- enough already." And that's very much how it, how this film works once it gets going, and that's just a little warning. I would definitely, I definitely would like not start this with this film if you're new to horror just in general, because it is a bit much. Uh, like I was saying, so just real quick, um, the story follows a recent widower who through his TV network connections sets up an audition, uh-huh, right, audition for a new bride. So it is a little weird, it's a little dated, but it's 1999, so things are still weird and I'm not saying that Japan's backwards, but they're always a little bit behind everybody else like just in general when it comes to traditions cuz they are very steeped in tradition. Nothing wrong with that, it's just that's how it is. So they're holding auditions for a new bride. And this guy, of course, picks the weird, quiet girl with the tortured past, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have a horror movie. And he thinks she's just quiet, which is, like, perfect for him. And uh, just more and more, like, stuff starts to go awry. She starts to take control of things. She's, like, I don't... Actually, I can't remember if she's, like, poisoning uh, him and his daughter or what's happening here. But there's, like, weird flashbacks in the movie and... Basically, she gets him to a, into a, a place both physically and mentally where she is able to take full advantage of him. Like, she has him paralyzed. And I'm now going to start talking spoilery, so don't listen to me. But check this one out. Is, this one is readily available because it is, like, a top-tier uh, level horror film. Not to me, but in the eyes of many. You can easily find this on DVD Blu-ray in North America. Uh, I would assume in Europe as well, and it is readily available on iTunes, on Amazon, and I don't know if it's on there anymore, but it what it used to be on Crackle, which isn't a thing for Canada anymore, but I remember seeing it on either Netflix or Amazon last year or two years ago. I don't know if it's still on there, but I mean, like, it, it gets around, so you definitely will be able to watch it. Heck, even check YouTube, it might have it, and uh, let's see what we're at here. Monsters do have their place in the zoo, in your nightmares, in the deep, in your favorite horror movies. Boys, get your Dracula fangs free as you enter the theater. Fight back, fight back against the world's most evil man, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Girls, get your zombie eyes free as you enter the theater. Don't be the next victim of the plague of the zombies. 
Hey everybody, I hope that you've been enjoying this episode of A Conversation for One, but now it's time for a bit of a break with a segment of Poetry Pause with Nancy Savio Poetry. April marks National Poetry Month, so I really hope that all of you out there are getting involved with poetry, whether you're reading it or you're writing it. It's just such an amazing art form to explore. And with this episode, I've been able to explore a genre that I don't normally look at in poems, horror. So hopefully you enjoy this because it's something different for me. This poem is called The Crown. One fateful evening, so long after dark, a young boy wandered into the park. Despite the advice of those who knew best, this young boy crept straight into the forest. As the streetlight's glow grew smaller still, the boy kept on in search of a thrill. Even though he'd heard it all before, he felt he must witness it himself to be sure. It was an old tale famous in his town of a headless knight in search of his crown who haunted the forest and those who walked through, but the boy never believed it was true. He wandered for hours and began to feel lost, noting the familiarity of each path he crossed. And still, all was quiet. But then came a noise, a footstep much louder than the little boy's. Immediately the boy slowed his pace, eventually halting to stand in one place. He held his breath, too afraid to turn and face whatever truth he would learn. It's probably nothing, the little boy muttered. Then a breeze caught his spine and the little boy shuddered. Stuck in one place, he slowly turned around to find out what the source was of that sound. He closed his eyes wincing as he turned his neck and opened them slightly in fear as he checked. And to his surprise, he was completely alone. He felt slightly relieved until he heard a groan. It's probably just the sound of the trees, the way that they hum with the help of the breeze. But just as he thought that, he saw a shadow that was pretty tall from shoulder to toe. The stories were true. There stood the knight. Somebody help, the boy shouted with fright. He tripped over backwards and fell in the leaves as the knight stepped towards him, rolling up his sleeves. It was really surprising the knight wasn't dead, being that he lived so long without having a head but he seemed to have made the most of this fate, and with the young boy he tried to communicate. He pointed above his shoulders into the air, drawing a circle around where there should have been hair. What do you mean? You're looking for your crown? The knight signaled yes, lifting his thumb up and down. If I find your crown, will you stop all the haunting? The forest was large, so the task would be daunting. The boy began looking in bushes and trees, but under each rock no crown did he see. The boy became tired as the hours went by. Feeling quite helpless, he let out a sigh. I can't seem to find it, he said to the knight, but as he turned around, he couldn't believe the sight. There was the crown, shiny and clean, in the hands of the knight. What did this mean? You had the crown all along? The boy cried. This is how you lured in those before me who died. The boy tried to run but was too tired to stand. The knight stepped forward, lowering his hand. The last sound the boy heard was booming and loud, a laugh that came from a knight with no mouth. Now, back to our program. 
Next on the list is an is actually a new one. I know I keep saying like they're recent, but like for some people, like stuff from 2012, 2014 isn't like super recent. But I mean, at the end of the episode, when I'm pulling out stuff from like the 60s or even earlier, like the 30s, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's that's recent enough for me. But anyways, this is another Spanish film. Yay! Arguably, other than maybe, um, what do I have a lot of here? Spanish, Korean. Oh yeah, Nordic languages like a German or a Swedish is usually like up there for me. I do enjoy a Japanese horror film here and there, but Spanish is probably like my favorite language other than English for a horror film. Although French is good too, but Spanish is up there. Right, the film. This film is from 2017. It is Veronica, right? Have you guys you guys have probably heard of Veronica, right? It was last year, especially, was hailed on, like, all social media. It was, like, a huge buzz. It was just, like, just very recently. Like, I'm sure you could still find stuff. And it was, like, quoted as the scariest film you'll ever see, like, based on real life, true story, like, all that sort of stuff. And while it's definitely not that, um, this film is very easy watching horror. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, it is very popcorn film. It is, it's... It if it was in English, it would be the film that would like break box office numbers in in the theater. You know what I mean? It would be very conjuring esque, very insidious esque. Like it's not by the numbers, but almost. You know what I mean? It's uh, not that it's generic, not that it's um, not that it's it's um, easily predictable fully. Um, just that it's um, it's accessible, I guess. It is one of those films that is scary. It um, it does have those classic tropes on like, why would you do that? Don't go in there. What are you doing? Like you were smarter than this about 20 minutes ago, but everything is well acted. The The plot is actually very good. The, the set, even though like all the sets are like kind of small, kind of like um, inexpensive, they all work and I, I dig the lore. Um, it, so this is very much a possession film. It is about the girl, Veronica, and she's in an all-girls, I think it's an all-girls school. It's an all-girl Catholic school, I'm pretty sure, and, you know, as teenagers do, not just girls, like, they they get carried away on, like, a, a, a night, like, a, I don't know, like, a hangout night, you know, and they're, like, summoning spirits, as these movies often go, and she takes it a little too far, and she does it on her own, and she, I can't remember, actually, if she does something else inside the school but basically there's like this this spirit attaches onto her and as with these movies it gets stronger and stronger right but there are some differences some key differences with this film and if you watch it you'll see compared to like something else but yeah it's it's definitely easy watching especially for fans of series like the conjuring or the exorcist or the exorcism of you know those kind of movies it's you're gonna feel right at home watching one of the uh watching this film couple things that stand out they have a nun in here um it's not like the over the top nun from the conjuring universe but this is like a very old woman like old real life old woman with like the milky eyes <laughs> like do milky eyes who sees like everybody fears her like oh we never see her around school but she's there you know one of those kind of not a myth but could be because like you see that person so rarely and um she sees she can't see anything else but she can see that the demons on veronica which is like always kind of like your skin crawly kind of a feeling so that's kind of a cool thing 
Another thing has nothing to do with the actual scariness of the movie. I don't know what it is, but there's like this commercial that plays in the movie. This is what I'm drawing off of right now. So there's this like commercial that plays in the movie for something they watch on TV. And it has like the catchiest theme song ever, like catchiest little jingle. It was in my head for like days. And um, I can't remember. I couldn't remember what it was, but like, you know, and you kind of like remember the sound, but you can't remember the words. My girlfriend, like she remembered it all. And I was like, damn, every single time. So eventually you, you look it up and you can find it. Just look up like Veronica um, TV jingle or something like that. You'll find it. It's so catchy. I don't know. I don't know if it was a real product or not, but so it's not like obviously a reason to watch the film, but it was kind of cool once you're already watching it. Um, and the ending, I can't remember how the ending goes, but I'm pretty sure it's ambiguous, which I always love. Like if the story is like setting up for a grand slam and they leave you on like a, an ambiguous thing, it's like, Oh great. I like, I myself love a thinker. So at the end of a film, if it like, it's really, really good. And like, it leaves you on like a kind of that kind of a note, like an ambiguous note then I am like thinking about it for weeks, right? Some people I know don't like that. They like to be spoon feather movies and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes a movie needs to just have a clear cut ending and um, oftentimes it's better for it, right? I Or, you know, sometimes like the better of both worlds, you get like a clear ending with a little stinger at the end, right? But I don't think that is this for this movie. There's no sequel that I know of, um, and uh not that you need to have a sequel but uh it was really really good unfortunately the first time i watched it i fell asleep right near the end not because it was bad but because i was exhausted when i started it i probably held out though like a long like 30 minutes longer than i would have if it wasn't a good movie and then i watched in the morning and it was great i think i watched this last year like almost verbatim the exact time very very good film i definitely recommend this one it probably should have been earlier on the list because it is a super accessible film but if you're going to check out one definitely check out veronica uh it's not top tier of any list but it's very very good i you know what i'll make up a list it would probably be top tier for like possession films it's really good that way um what do we got here all right so i have one movie left just one movie left um of my actual list I have like a couple little subcategories like messed up entries and like movies I haven't seen. Um, but maybe like if this is running like too long, I might record that and then cut it. So we'll see what happens here. So I have one more movie left and um, that's The Lure. The Lure? I don't know what the correct pronunciation of that is. The Lure. <laughs> it's not like a foreign word. It's L-U-R-E. Like you're luring something into a trap. And this is kind of a cool one, so that's why I saved it for the end. So The Lure is, uh, it's kind of, it's, it is really fun. This is a really cool movie. I just watched this for the first time last year. It's a Polish horror film, yeah. But not just that, it's a horror musical, yeah. So it was directed in um, 2015 by, hold on, hang in there with me, Agnieszka, Agnieszka Smoshniska, Smoshniska. Damn, I don't know. So she is a very talented director. For the love of me, I cannot pronounce it. My Polish is very rusty, as in it's 10 words that I learned to go on an airplane. So it is the story of two mermaids uh, who emerge from the waters to perform in a nightclub. And it's kind of like a, um, it's like a burlesque kind of nightclub, like an old, it is like an old style nightclub. So little strip, little burlesque, you'd sing songs, there'd be dancing, tons of booze. It was very like, um, not 
corny, but kind of like a, a cheaper form of entertainment, right? But you would go there to see acts. Um, and one of them falls in love with a guy. So it this is like not supposed to be like spoilery, but the whole story basically is like a reworking of The Little Mermaid. So just brace for a little bit of spoilers here. Um, one of the two sisters falls in love with the man and she gives up her tail and ultimately um, loses her voice in the process. So these two, um, I guess it's their aunt. I don't think it's their mom. Might even be like not of relation, but she came onto land. She's a little bit older. She's like late, uh, probably early 40s or something like that. And she runs this nightclub for this guy. And she has a great singing voice, and she's like the star. And then these two come onto land, and they need a job. They need a place to stay. And so she lets them live with them. Uh, and part of the, like, the mermaid thing, like, and this ties in with the lure, is um, they have amazing voices. So they basically can, like, there are, and, okay, like, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So these are mermaids, and they're made to look like, very much like real life mermaids so they have massive tails like we're talking like four to six feet tails on top of their like from their torso like their belly button down like these are massive massive tails so like tails in proportion to what the human body would probably be right and um eventually though they're like out in like giant martini glasses and their tails are out and like people are just fully embracing it like they're like hell yeah this is like a hardcore and like whether they know it's real or not they are like the mermaids I realized I was just muffling the mic there, so if it is muffled, I'm sorry about that. They because they're mermaids, it's not like Disney mermaids, like they need to feed. That's what like classic mermaids of lore would do. They would lure sailors out, like sirens. They would lure sailors out into the water and then like devour them, right? And they would like they'd be entranced. So it works perfectly for like a burlesque kind of a strip club. Like everybody's entranced and they're like, Oh yeah, this is great. And they have like these massive teeth, like Everything about the design for these, like, mermaids I am, like, in love with. Is it the scariest film? No. Is it, like, the most accessible film? Not at all. In fact, some parts are a little artsy even for me. But it's such a cool concept. And it has nothing to do with the film. But the U.S. poster for it is very, very cool. Like, I wish I had a poster of that in my room. Tons of kills. Tons of kills. Like, they're trying... The one is trying to be more human. And the other one, like, fully embraces, like, the mermaid thing. It's not so much, like, Ginger Snaps level, like, drama between the two. But there is definitely something. Um, some sort of, like... Not quite... Not, like... It's a definitely, like... It's not water and vinegar, but maybe, like, oil and vinegar. Like, you know, they taste delicious together with some bread. But they're not fusing together. You know what I mean? When they're together, it's great. But they're never going to be, like, on the same page. That's basically how I would describe that, but it's very, very cool. And the the music is all in Polish. It's a Polish film, but the music is all very catchy. I would say this is more in line. It's very dark. Um, it's scenes. Um, there's tons of blood. Uh, like these mermaids are like ripping into people. Think of it more kind of like a werewolf kind of a, a horror movie in that sense. Not like with the the conflict of like inner self but like how they operate like at one moment they're like human and then the other moment they're va they're mermaids because they have to um basically feed and they have to go in the water if they're not in the water after a certain amount of time then they like start to die um which is kind of neat like the, it, this film is very good at establishing its own rules um, but what I was going to get at is more along the lines is like maybe like a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think that's a generic enough film that enough people know what that is where there's it's like horror vibes. It's very horror themed, um, but it's tons of like f flashy, catchy, like 
almost like synthy disco tunes, which is like very, very catchy. And they're, it's great. They're all like dressed up. There's tons of lights. And uh, this is actually the, that director, that, that poor lady who I had just the toughest time saying her name. This is actually her feature debut, which for a debut movie, it was like balls to the wall. Like she threw everything at it and more. Um, it's very, very good. I, I would recommend this. I watched this last year. I threw it on because some people, apparently it has mixed reviews and I can see why, but some people are like, it's not good. It is good. And I, I saw, I liked what I saw. So, um, yeah. And that's the other thing too. This film is, uh, actually set in the eighties. So everything kind of fits. Um, it's not like Poland is like super behind everybody else when it comes to like tech or like, um, entertainment values or something like that it's set in the 80s um which is a huge plus for me if it's in the 80s i'm down yeah it's uh it's not like very much like i said it is kind of like little mermaid but it's not like all magical uh what happens is uh there is mermaids and people know there are mermaids from what you understand like a little bit halfway through the film like it's brought up and how the this basically the cost and the lengths that this mermaid has to go to to be a human is like a little bit on the deranged side it it's um it's not magical by any means but i would definitely recommend this one a few of these like this isn't an easily accessible one because uh criterion films like criterion collection they put this out uh two years ago i think it's right around the time when i watched it so it is on Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray is just jam-packed with stuff. But because Criterion put it out, you can definitely find this on iTunes, on Amazon, anywhere that you would buy or rent a film. Uh, you could probably get it through illegal means, although I wouldn't advise that. Um, but I would actually advise getting the um, the Blu-ray. And if you ever find a deal um, that the Blu-ray comes with a poster, maybe an extra poster, and you're like, ah, God, I don't want this poster, you know, hit me up, uh, acfopodcast at uh, gmail.com, and uh, I would... I would definitely try and help you out with that for sure. Um, so yeah, that's it. I, I ch- check the check out those films. I, I know I always say like yeah, check it out, but that is a really cool one. Um, all the other films are not horror by the book. Like there are some different ones in there, but this is kind of a fun film and it's a good one. And if you've given the other ones a try and you're willing to like watch something kind of like absurd or like just kind of crazy, not in like a weird weird way, but definitely is weird like i said at the beginning some of the stuff is straight up weird this is a really cool one to watch okay so i think what i'm going to do now is some of these films were kind of i have it listed on my shorthand notes here as messed up entry lightning round but uh that's not like the best way to describe it it's just i would never recommend these for people that are new to over the top films let alone people that are new to horror in general and i didn't think these would be super accessible um, for people who were just trying to start out with foreign horror, especially because some of them are um, more artistic to be very general, um, but they are like over the top in a lot of ways, not just in like gore, but in like their storytelling and narrative like structure, um, just in their actual like filming. Some of them might be a little slower paced. Some of them might be dated in effects. And if you're not into that, it's kind of hard to recommend that. Um, and just over the t- like weird just they're they're weird but i love them i think they're great they, two of these films have stuck with me for a while um one was originally on the list and there's only three on here but one was originally on the list and i took it off after f- watching it to completion before because even i was like mm, nope i would not never i wouldn't recommend this so the first one on the list i watched it with my girlfriend and she absolutely hated this film but i fell in love with it is 1977's 
Um, it's the Japanese film Haosu, or House. Uh, it was created by Toho, and I have no info for any of these, so this is all going to be off the top of my head. Just real quick. So it's basically this. It's every. It's basically like this. It's an experimental film. Um, so let that already be a red flag if you're like not interested. It, every, tons of like the editing choices. There's like mixture of like cartoons, uh, practical effects, puppets, weird editing, blue screen, green screen, uh, superimpose, uh, like superimposition, and it's the story of like uh, five girls that go to visit this one girl's aunt who happens to be a witch inside the house and the, the witch and the house are connected and the house is literally eating the girls um it wasn't apparently like super critically acclaimed when it came out but it was super successful which i mean i could see it it would be a total romp i wish i was a little like inebriated when i was watching it and it's just it's it's very over the top and i and i don't mean it like in the fun kooky way like or like a snap your finger like oh this is fun like the lure like i was just talking about like this is like messed up um and weird like it is like what you would like think a japanese film would be like without like stereotyping anything or like painting with a brush a broad stroke this is what you would think like it is just weird over the top stuff and it's like it doesn't connect on every level to like a to american audiences but and it has like one of the weirdest deaths it has a ton of weird deaths but like a girl gets eaten by a piano and the weirdest one for me was like literally a girl gets pummeled to death with mattresses yeah and i was just thinking like yeah you know what it sounds kind of funny but when you think about it like how terrifying would that be you're like stuck in a room and mattresses are like falling at you at to no end you're just being crushed to death by mattresses i was like oh my gosh not a long movie it is a little bit hard to get through definitely like go into it with that mindset like you know what you're getting into watch it with a bunch of friends who are like just down to watch the movie don't watch it with somebody who's just going to be on their phone the whole time or not pay attention or not get into it or think that those types of movies are bad because you're not going to enjoy your time if you're listening to this i think you know who you are person i'm talking about it's definitely the girlfriend who wasn't interested in this film at all um so the next one was a one that she did enjoy this is from like a director um that we are starting to enjoy way too much and it's not this director is great by the way and that director that I've been beating around the bush for is Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he is the one who did The Lobster. He is the one who did um, The Favorite, which just came out. It was really good. And he also did, uh, oh my God, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Killing of the, oh, what is that film called? Yeah, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That is a really, really good one. But this this film is Dogtooth, which is like hella messed up. It is like beyond beyond messed up um so basically it is the story of a husband and wife who keep their grown children like they're in their mid-20s um completely in isolation they've raised their kids completely in isolation i would recommend this film 100 percent. this was on my list originally i had like wrote a little like write-up for it and just thinking about it it's like i would be hard pressed to put this in here especially if someone's expecting like horror like like ghosts or whatever and it's like this is just like real life horror this is just like it's almost like dogma 95 type film like it's just extreme you know like extremist film that's basically what it feels like um so the, yeah these parents they go so i that's why i would i i that's why i would have had a tough time recommending it just because like it's not horror by any classical sense 
So yeah, these parents, they go out of their way to raise these kids in complete isolation. Um, they raise them exactly learning whatever they want them to learn. Uh, that means no TV, no movies. The music is just like really old. I think he plays like Frank Sinatra for them and like says like, yeah, this is like, this is me or like, this is like grandpa. Like we're like very famous, blah, blah, blah. And um, it's almost like they're, they're raising the kids to be like social experiments and uh, just the lengths that these parents go to. They don't let their kids get close to the fence. They make them play games. They make them, like, they conduct tests on them. It is a, as weird as it sounds. And, um, yeah, like, the lengths that these parents have gone to to raise these kids still almost, like, childlike um, in their, I guess, in their disposition on life. It's It was so weird. And it gets dark, too. Like, the kids are, like, experimenting with pain and, like, sexual things. And it, it's... I loved it though. <laughs> I loved it. I thought about this film for like for weeks and weeks, like definitely like months, um, just thinking about this film. It's a 2009 film, so it is pretty modern. It's one of his first films. And uh, basically the, the, the film is called Dogtooth because the, the children, they have, like I said, they have no idea what's going on. And the parents say they'll finally be ready to leave the house once they lose their dog tooth, which is not a thing, right? You don't lose your teeth um, once you're a certain age. And, uh, and they can only leave safely by car and dad's the only one who can drive the car and that's the only car so they're never allowed to leave um yeah like I said these kids are like playing around with pain and stuff that's like the only way they're like keeping busy and then um yeah it is I think it was released um by Kino like Kino Lorber uh, they're like to me personally they used to be my number two blu-ray people but I think they're probably like three or four now they do some good stuff, so it is easily accessible. Um, definitely, if you like this film, go watch um, other films by this director. Really good stuff. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't recommend this. I, even though like this is a lightning round, I'm talking for a long, long time. So yeah, just check out Dogtooth if you're interested. If not, all right, totally cool. And the next on the list here is the last one. It's Valerie in Her Week of Wonders. Um, this is also kind of like a fairy tale type movie. It is very, very fairy tale. It's very, very weird. It's about this girl, Valerie, kind of like in an Alice Wonderland type setting where everything it feels dreamlike. It's just like everything she does is weird. Um, there's like this weird priest guy who looks like the, the face that pops up on the screen in The Exorcist, you know what I mean? Like that white face. And he's like trying to steal stuff from her. He wants her and he wants the house that she's living in. And she's also accused of being a witch, and by swallowing like pearls and diamonds, she's like granted like protection from being raped and from like incest. And there's like revisions on the story, like within the story, um, like if she wants something to go the other way, then the story instantly changes. It's just very, very weird. And I had this on the list because it it came highly recommended. I'd only seen clips, so I watched the whole thing, and I was like, "There's no way in hell I can recommend this to anybody." Um, not even just for this list, like at all. I can't recommend it. It's, it is well shot. It's very beautiful. It's a well-made film. It's just very weird. You would have to seek out that film on your own and you would have to put it on. If you like dark fairy tales, like if you like dark fairy tales and you can get behind like a Czechoslovakian um, uh, 70s style piece, then go for it. But it is a lot of incest. It's a lot of like rape slash child rape um, um I guess illusions uh, and um, definitely stuff tries to be like people try to rape this girl 
on on the screen. It was a little bit much for me on a on a on a weekend afternoon just watching it by myself. Um, but Criterion Collection again, they put this one out. So if you do seek it out, it's it is it is easy watching for the most part. Aside from those, like I'm getting like dry in the mouth saying that because it's like not um, the most easy thing to recommend. Um, but it is a cool film in its concept. I mean, once you like get rid of all the the rapey things, so. But yeah, it's kind of a cool dark fairy tale. I'm always into dark fairy tales, so I was gonna put this on the list, but not worth it. So yeah, if you if you're interested, check out Valerie and her Week of Wonders. And then just real quick here, um, I might talk about these later, but these are just films I haven't seen, but they've been on my list for forever, and they've came very highly recommended. So if you burn through all of these and you want to see something else, um, I guess these can kind of be like my uh, unsponsored sponsors, these films. Uh, so check out the, I'm pretty sure it's a French film from either the early 2000s or the late 90s. It's called Martyrs. Apparently it is very close to torture porn, um, like in the same vein as like Hostel or Saw. Um, it's tons of guts, tons of gore, tons of blood, but it's supposed to be really, really good actually. The story is supposed to be good, which is always a plus. A lot of those movies the story takes a backseat um but check that one out also it was a brand new film from i want to say colombia it might be a colombian film it's spanish but i this is on my to watch list i was trying to watch it before doing this episode it's all queued up on the stick in the tv i was going to watch it but i didn't have time and that's called terrified Uh, so look that up that's definitely like a picture you've seen floating around on like twitter on facebook of like this like almost like decomposing child like leaning over cereal like just this haunting face and it's basically um from what i know it's about like um i don't think it's just the kid i think it's like the the whole house is haunted not just like the family like everything about the house is haunted by these people and it looks straight up scary apparently it's getting an american remake it's supposed to be very very good so check out terrified that's a brand new film that just came out in 2018 um and then one that was on like almost every top of every single list uh, I haven't seen that's Julia's eyes um I know the concept it's um it's this uh, girl who's haunted by I think her sister and um she has to like she's in this like dark area she has to find her sister it's like a ghost or something is haunted and the sister uh the sister went blind and now the other sister already very confusing who's looking for the sister is also suffering from the same disease so as everything's getting darker she's actually losing her vision as well um lots of eye stuff not really my thing that freaks me out um but it's supposed it's on a lot of top lists so check out julia's eyes and then the last one is the vanishing or spurlong or spurlos i think it's spurlos it's a dutch film do not watch the american remake with jeff bridges i know it's got jeff bridges in there and that's sacrilegious for me to say do not watch that. Watch this. The only reason I have not watched this is that I have refused to open my Criterion Collection version. I keep that bad boy sealed, factory sealed, and the copy I have on my USB, for whatever reason, the subtitles do not work on anything. Not the computer, not the like, not the TV, the Blu-ray player, nothing. They don't work. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out a way. It is, it is supposed to be a very slow burn film, but apparently it's a film that will stick you, with you forever. It was on like still those kind of lists. It was in like top three, top five for everything. Like not just underrated, like for like the best. And uh, so yeah, check that one out. It's on Criterion. So check that one out. And then I'm going to actually end this um, with two other ones. So that all of those entries I gave you, except for the audition, which was 99. Even then though, it's kind of modern. These last two, 
These are not only foreign films, but they're black and white films because I wanted to tie it into the next part of my, uh, my next episode, which is going to be strictly on black and white films. Woo! Another exciting one. Um, so I'm not going to go super, super in-depth into these, but I am going to touch on them a bit, maybe a little bit more than what I did for my lightning round. Um, so yeah, just stick around for that. Here we go. So the first one on our list is Spanish Dracula. Now, it's not actually called Spanish Dracula, but to give you a little backstory here. In 1931, when they were actually filming the very first Dracula, you know, the one with Bela Lugosi, like the classic one, at night, they would actually film the Spanish version. I'm sure I've talked about this on another podcast before, but on like another episode. So they would film this, and while the original one is iconic for Bela Lugosi and like you know how he speaks and his mannerisms as Dracula this film was shot with an entirely different crew um, with an entirely different director and entirely entirely different um, I think I just said my name there an entirely different um, cast and it's not so much a stage play on camera because that's what the Dracula is the original it's just set there's no cinematography it's just they're doing a play well in the well in the camera's vision this one moves there's a little bit of cinematography there's some quick edits and like there's a lot more passion in the actors and uh i feel like if you love the original you'll love this you'll love this one even more it was apparently thought to be lost until like the 70s when it was found. And you can get this now. If you buy Dracula on Blu-ray, it comes with this as a special feature. Or if you buy any of like the horror, uh, universal horror packs uh, that include Dracula, this is usually a bonus feature. Um, like in more recent years, it's uh, it's definitely been more highly praised than the English version. Um and the reason why is like apparently the Spanish crew had the advantage of watching the English dailies every single time before they would film. So they see what they liked and they would improve on it. So I think that would make this film even more watchable. So if you love classics, if you love like um, universal horror, and if you just love like that old spooky, like black and white feel, this is, I would recommend this a hundred percent. Like I'm going to talk about maybe a couple horror, like monster films, well, obviously horror, but monster films like Universal Horror um, in the Black and White episode that's coming up. But this one, I feel, is probably one of the more underrated, but like cream of the crop entries. It's very, very good. I enjoy it. I only watched it for the first time last year, a year and a half ago. Uh, Dracula is not my favorite. Like of all the Universal monsters, he's pretty low on the board, but I loved this one. There's a lot of other foreign ones, but they're all black and white, and they kind of border on silent. Um, But this is definitely one of my favorite vampire movies, and that's saying a lot. Um, I definitely wouldn't say it's better than Let Me uh, Let the Right One In, but uh, it's it's really really good. Um, So yeah, check that one out. So yeah, check that one out. It is also like I said, it was filmed at night, so it's from 1931, and uh, yeah, it's not long because it is one of the classics. Damn, never mind. It is a long. I just saw the notes here. It's 104 minutes, so it is a bit of a longer one. I was thinking usually Universal monster movies, it's like a minute tw- or a minute twenty, an hour twenty. So this one is a bit longer, but I think it'll be worth your time. Uh, even if it's like not your favorite, it's just kind of cool to say that you've seen it and like you know you can bring it up for a conversation piece at like a a dinner or something. <laughs> you know, because that's why most people watch movies. And then finally, the one that I've been dying to talk about is the 1960s French film, Eyes Without a Face. And now this film is really, really cool. It It's inspired so many people, and 
it stands up well. I watched this one two years ago, and it felt just as modern. It's because they don't do anything like outrageous. You know, they they stick, they play it close to the chest. There's no like weird effects. There's no um, relying on like um, huge sets or like um, there's no like kind of like twists or anything. It's just straight up horror. Like you're wondering what's happening. Not like horror, like you're being chased like to your death, but like horrors and like that's something scary on the screen constantly. And you're just like, you're just enthralled with it. Um, so the premise is this guy uh, is a, he's like a world renowned doctor and he has created, I can't actually, man, I'm, you know, this film goes hand in hand actually with another Spanish film, which I had originally included on this list, but I decided last minute not to. This film is, would be a great companion piece. Like if you love this, or if you're just into like some Spanish horror, even though this film is French, Spanish horror, check out um, uh, The Skin I Live In with Antonio Banderas. Oh, such a good film. It is really twisted, but I was I just had way too many Spanish films, so unfortunately that was one that made the cut. It's kind of a good companion piece. Problem is, is I'm kind of confusing stuff now, but from what I can remember, but basically what I remember is um, this, this guy, this doctor, he is like, yeah, I think with the skin I live in, he's like made fireproof skin or like skin protectant or something that heals burns. But in this one, it's set in the sixties. Um, it's not like they're related or anything, but this, this, this doctor, uh, he's like a world renowned plastic surgeon. He said like, he has figured out a way to, um, graft skin onto other skin and to graft faces onto other faces. Like he's like made huge, like leaps and bounds with like um, burn victims and like, um, disfigured victims, uh, and basically like in healing them, right? I guess, I guess it was called like a heterograft surgery, right? When you're putting the skin on other skin. Um, and at the beginning of the film, there's an accident you find out that the person hurt is actually his daughter. Um, so he's determined to find a young girl. So this guy, he's like finding a bunch of young girls and like, basically like these girls are just normal girls and you're put through like kind of their shoes as he's like got them strapped to a table and you're seeing this girl who's got this like iconic like emotionless mask over her face and all you can just see are her eyes all of her emotion is like conveyed through her eyes um I, I yeah it's like a it looks like a silicone like it's like a clear mask and it's over her face and only thing that are visible other than like her hair are like her eyes that are like very expressive and she just walks with zero emotion uh, she walks very like calmly and slowly, very composed, and it it actually is like super un- unnerving, like very chilling. And like while they're strapped to the table, like sc- like trying to scream, like fidgeting around, like like basically like, get me the hell out of here. She's just like kind of staring at them and like idolizing like their almost like their perfection, knowing straight up that their face is gonna get cut off of theirs and put onto her. So yeah, so the daughter is disfigured. She's got this mask on. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, there's no gore. Like it's one of those things, you know, like with Texas Chainsaw, you're always like, oh, it's so gory, but really in the first Texas Chainsaw, you don't see a lot of gore. This is like kind of the same thing. Like it wasn't flagged by any censors because there's zero gore. And the, the dad is literally not a mad scientist. Like he's literally just like a doctor, just like pushed like the ends of his means, right? Like he wants to make his daughter better. And so like, he's going against his his better judgment and he's like harming all these girls it's not because he's like thirsty for blood he just wants to make his daughter better so it's not really like a mad scientist which is also you're drawn to that too right 
you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who to root for. And those are, those are always kind of fun films to watch. Um, and yeah, it, it's hugely critical, success, critically successful. Um, this film is literally from 1960 and it's still very, very popular. It's inspired tons and tons of other things. Yeah. Like that girl's face is just, it is, it is truly haunting, um, how that looks. And her like actual face, when you see her without the mask, really not that bad. Like, I mean, special effects are like, you know, they weren't top tier in 1960, but like she literally, she, I, from what I understand, she went from being like a beauty queen to like now, like her skin is like completely marked. So it's like dad did his best to like try and patch up her face, but there's like huge, like dents in her face and like massive scarring. But I mean, it's not like she's like horribly mangled like it's not like her jaws like hanging off her face or anything she just got a lot of scarring on her face so yeah while this film is in black and white i feel if anything it adds to the actual like atmosphere of the film that's usually what black and white is good for like if you're gonna watch an old film black and white is like perfect for like a detective film or a horror film just because horror to me is always like a spooky dark night um but this film it works really well because I don't know it almost feels like a lost universal horror film a horror horror i don't know what that word is like a horror film it's but it's so different the way she moves around like i said is like slow and calculated she's not doing any of the killing herself it's almost like she's she has lost her identity it's so weird the film is scary but i mean like to a lot of modern standards it might just be more like of a memorable movie than like actually like chilling you to your bone it is um it is fairly tame um but just if you put yourself into like um like the victim shoes then the movie becomes a completely different yeah so i think with these last two films they are in black and white they are foreign um they're not going to be as accessible um to the average like modern movie goer especially if like you're not used to like a kind of a slower pace um dracula for sure is way way slower but this film i thought was like pretty modern still and like it's pacing and it's editing and its story was still good like it was a good story so if you're interested in like a really good story and like good pacing um for a black and white film i would check this one out and i think that's about it like just if these are like you you dig those then you're gonna love like the next uh, episode which is on black and white um so just real quick make sure you guys check out outro apparel and a big thanks to Nancy Savio, uh, who, and a big thanks to Nancy Savio and her poem, and uh, and a big thanks to Nancy Savio poetry. Um, really looking forward to to uh, really looking forward to uh, the next episode and having you guys listen. Um, this episode was produced by Victoria Chubb, um, the wonderful, the always wonderful Victoria Chubb, uh, who I have forgotten to mention in the last couple episodes, but she produced all of those episodes. Um, Without her, these definitely wouldn't be possible. And um, yeah, feel free to check me out on uh, ACFO Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. I would definitely love you guys to uh, give me some input there and to uh, let me know how you're liking the episodes. And uh, if you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, feel free to hit me up at uh, acfopodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as always, guys, really, really appreciate you guys listening. And um, thanks. Thanks so much. Because without you guys, I definitely wouldn't be doing this show. All right. Until uh, until the next episode, which will be coming out really, really soon. Stay tuned for Black and White Horror. All right. Tyler out.
Folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.